Hi, I'm Jane O'Reilly, and this is Ageless. I'm 40, and my life is just getting started. I'm here to share real talk and real experiences about how to live life ageless. Nothing's off the table. You know the vibes. Let's go. We're about ready to drop the bomb, actually. <laughs> okay, so picture this. I'm sitting in my bed right now, and I have a really special guest today. One that gets to be in the bed with me on a regular basis. I think I've just given it away. <laughs> Paul Burke, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jana. Happy to finally get convinced to be here. I know, exactly. It's exactly right. So we're just going to start... By turning the song down for one, which by the way is our favorite song. What song is this, Paul? Young Forever. It's which ageless. is Ageless Baby, Ageless. <laughs> um, I thought it'd be fun to start by bringing in some of our morning rituals, which includes pulling cards. And I have a very special deck. It's the Angel Dream cards that we pull. And I think we should start by pulling you a card. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, I've already shuffled, so I'm going to make this easy on you. And I think this would be a good stream of consciousness, don't you think? Problem solving. Well, that's, that's not a shock at all. Okay, let's see. Problem solving. Problem solving. And of course, Monroe is here in my lap dropping the ball as well. Um, problem solving resolution. This card shows up today to announce the need to resolve a situation in your life. Come on the podcast. Come on the podcast. It also heralds that a resolution is coming. You know what needs to be done. A problem solving dream allows you to probe a lingering question or issue. Focus upon these circumstances before you fall asleep. During dream time, you will receive the answer you seek. Stand firm in the face of this challenge. Persistence will benefit you. Call upon your angels and dream guide to help you to help heal this situation. What comes to mind? Like, what so, is this problem you're having? Sounds like I need to take a nap to figure it out. So I need to pause this. We're not pausing anything. This is just, there is really no plan here today. I, I wanted to introduce you to the beautiful man I've been talking about probably for the last two months on this podcast, the mystery man. This is the mystery man. And, and we'll just start with that. You know, I do want to dive deeper into this problem solving card thing. I think we just sidestepped that for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, um, we talked about that, but I can say I'm happy to be here. It's great to be part of what Gina is so passionate about. And I see lights her up and uh to support that is what we really want to be doing and uh part of what we talked about too is 
when we're fortunate to wake up at ungodly hours of the night. It's something I've always wanted a partner to wake up crazy hours with me and we just talk and we have some of our best conversations and that's what I'm here to do with you and hopefully someone else can get something out of it because I, I know I always do and I feel very fortunate so it's, it's kind of scary to share it but I'm excited. I want to dive deep today and whatever comes up, well, because you're the one that's always telling me to go deeper and you know it. sometimes (laughs) do. Yeah, exactly. Whatever comes up is supposed to come up and whatever's on the table is supposed to be. So I guess I just want to start, I guess we just need to (laughs) head back to the problem solving card. Does anything come to you? Yeah, you know, I wasn't going to kick things off by talking about healing, but we have talked about, first of all, Monroe is doing her thing, and as you all know, she likes to come on the show as well, and she's currently trying to dig the tiniest little tennis ball out from under my ass right now. That's what's happening. So if you hear if you hear the sheets, it's actually the dog. Um she doesn't like to do be left out of anything the two of us do. Yeah, she's pretty much the center of uh, our lives, and that's fine. Um, completely distracted. So back, what came to me on with the card is is healing. We've talked about surrender. We've talked about things that have come up in our personal life that have forced us to take action. And so the problem solving, I mean, can I say... Can I say like something that we've celebrated today, like a milestone that we've celebrated today? Because on the last podcast, well, not the last podcast, the last solo that I did, um, I shared that I, I've got some like serious situations that have come up for me that are that I haven't actually talked about, but that are important to me, and I've decided to be sober again. And that's about the extent of where I went with that. It's not a dry January. It's nothing like that. It's just sobriety and spirituality. And I just want to kick it over to you for a second and just just take on that small and uh, just take on that small piece of the pie. I, I have watched you transform in the last two months and It's been the most beautiful evolution, and I just... Tell us a little bit more about that. Oh, all right. So, diving in. I'm not really sure where to begin other than to say that um, drinking has never brought me... I, I I can't look back in my life and say, oh, thank God... Uh, for drinking because all these amazing it brought all these amazing things into my life Uh, it's been a problem for me in past relationships it's been a problem for me with my relationships with my family uh, with friends and going back to I you know alcoholism runs in my family Um, and so I I grew up seeing some things that weren't great um but I've never, other than my sister, who's one of my best friends, and I adore 
has been a huge inspiration and guide for me. Other than my sister, I've never really seen anyone kick it. I've seen people manage it, uh, but I've never really seen anyone heal and grow. And um, I've tried everything under the sun to control my drinking. And uh, I was fooled myself. I would, you know, not I would do sober January. It's one year. I was like, let me see how long I can do this. And I went nine months. I went to bachelor parties. I did all these things sober. And um, I, I, for me, it was it was great. Um, a lot of great things happened. I was really miserable um, on the inside, and there was a lot of a lot of things I needed to deal with. So um, <clears throat> instead of Staying sober and dealing with them, uh, I drank, and I used in order to numb those, and, and I dealt with them in really shitty ways uh, in order to to get myself out of them, to deal with them, and you know other people were hurt in the meantime, and it's hard because I look back and I'm, I'm grateful for changes I've made, things I've done, um, but. So as drinking goes, nothing's going to ever come of it. And uh, this year, I really felt hopeless. And well, I have truly become unmanageable. And um, it was shortly after going to some AA meetings, things like that, and hearing other people tell their stories, I realized, hearing other people how they talked about how they lost hope, I realized that's what I did. I completely lost hope. And... Um, and it's because of you and uh, your experiences in the past that um, I was open to AA. Not for me, of course, but to be supportive of somebody else. And But I remained open. And uh, now I can't get enough of it. And I don't think it's the be-all, end-all. But I think if you want to stop drinking, there's a, absolutely a solution out there. You just have to be willing. You have to be willing to do it. You know, I was talking today about how I thought it was so corny after the serenity prayer at the end. They say it works if you work it. And um, I was like, this is so stupid. And I was like, no, it's actually just really true. It's true. And I, I just filled with gratitude. And for the first time ever, I'm not giving up drinking. I'm gaining a deeper, better, constant, more constant relationship with my higher power. And that's been completely life-altering. From a young age, I've had a connection with with something greater than myself, something I never was able to understand, and I've always been fine with not being able to say I don't think humans can understand it. Um, but I've always had that belief that there's something much more powerful at work and something that connects all of us. Um, and I feel it now more than I ever have, and it's not fleeting now. Uh, it's it's honestly constant and it's much more guiding in my life which I, I, I've said more things in the last two months than I thought I would never ever say um, <clears throat> and instead of feeling like a you know, uh, always taking pride in being original and witty and my own person and different uh, so the idea of like saying the same things as a bunch of other people was really terrifying to me and um but I've actually found myself more in this fellowship and in this group um, to be who I truly am, even autonomously, uh, than, I, than I ever have before. So it was certainly solved some problems for me, and there's still problems that need to be solved, but I can go into that. But well. It solves so many problems, 
and it solves so many problems for us. And can I toss one more thing in? You may. I think I'm not sure it actually solved the problems. It allowed us to fix problems. It stopped creating problems. It stopped creating problems. That's where you just nailed it on the head. Because oh. when we met, we we were not sober. We weren't sober. It's the only thing I hesitate saying. It never brought me anything good because had you not stopped being sober, had I never committed to being sober before now, um, we never would have met. Or maybe we would have, who knows? Well, it was just by chance in such a uh, whack way. I mean, I've told our story a couple times on this podcast. I'm sure everyone's sick of hearing it. And it's a wild story. It's a wild story, but I feel like it was divine intervention we were supposed to meet. And that was maybe the only way we could have met. I agree. And so for that reason, you know, I'm, I've said this a couple of times, I'm grateful for my alcoholism. I'm grateful for the things I've been through. I'm, you know, I feel a lot of responsibility and for the pain I've caused along the way. Um, I wish I could take that back, but I'm grateful that it caught the problems it caused were forced me to deal with things that uh, I would have otherwise neglected uh, to make changes I would have otherwise neglected not just you know now but in the past as well and um, it's there's a lot of times my problems the way I identify what the problem is uh, my solution isn't best or what I think needs to be changed isn't best just like I thought, you know, when I was unhappy during that nine month stint, I thought, oh, well, I'm unhappy because I'm not drinking. No, it was a lot of other factors in my life. It was, you know, a relationship with someone who was great and they can't say anything bad about whatsoever, but it just wasn't right for either of us. And um, it was my work, which I worked really hard for. And I thought I, you know, I finally had had everything I ever wanted. Uh, I had, I've been craving outside validation my entire life and, uh, I finally had it. <clears throat> I had it for my family. I had it for my friends. I had it from colleagues. I had it for people I never met before. I was winning awards. I had, was, you know, reaping the rewards as well. And, uh, I never felt more empty. So the, I, I, I filled up that emptiness with, with alcohol and drugs and, uh, all that did was take away all the things that I was getting the outside validation for, and some of them needed to go away. That's that's where I can say different. They needed to go away, uh, and I wasn't strong enough or brave enough or clear enough uh, to do that and do it in a responsible way. And that's where my, you know, I feel my guilt is really heavy around those things, where I need to make amends for things because the way in which I think things ultimately worked out better for everyone. I trust that and I believe that. Um, <clears throat> I I did them in very very irresponsible ways. I think that is so eloquently put, and I know the rooms that we're in, we talk about God size holes, and ever like the story that you just told. That's the first thing that came to mind is you had the cash and prizes, you had all the things, you were sober, but there's that piece of spirituality that I think was missing. It was definitely missing. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I don't even know. It's it's I don't feel the need to go into like that part of my life or too deep into that. Um, I think, like I said, this is the best way I can describe it is I had everything I thought I wanted, and I think if there's been one lesson I've learned, it's that uh, I know a whole lot less than um, I would like to believe I do, and I've always been willing to believe I do. And for someone with uh, you know an ego that has needed to be fed as much as mine have, that's a really hard pill to swallow and uh but it was a necessary one and, and i think that's where all this took but it's um the miracles that have happened on a daily basis um are they're, they're, I, I, we, if you weren't here next to me seeing them in action would you believe the things that have happened like like new year's day it was just like boom 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 like, i actually prayed for a break not to sound ungrateful, but I was like, this is like, this is, this is actually out of control. This is overwhelming. Like, thank you, thank you, thank you. But I don't, wouldn't mind like a day of just like nothingness. <laughs> right. Would you, would you believe all the stuff if you were, if you weren't seeing it firsthand? Absolutely not. I mean, yes, I would say yes. I, I do believe because I know the miracles that happen in the, the circles that we run in. And the rooms that we're in, um, it's it's mind blowing, to be honest. But I'm so happy for you. I what I one of the most beautiful things about you is your openness and your willingness to be wrong and your and and that's something that I get to learn from you on a regular <laughs> basis. And you do it so effortlessly. And I think. Once you prop open that door of willingness, that's when God comes in, and that's when the miracles get to happen. Well, the effortlessness comes in that it takes a lot of effort to try to be right, and I've stopped caring. Yes. I've stopped caring about being right. I've let go of the need to be right. Um, I just want to. Even we were talking about this earlier. Um, I'm someone who wants to help and who's model for help was control um you know i was talking to my sister earlier and my dad was an amazing man and one of my heroes and you know, he passed away when i was five so i was it it was obviously shocking um i had a lot of resentment for a long time at one of the most life-changing Moments for me happened at a young age. When I was like 14, I was visiting my oldest brother who was 17 years older, uh, youngest of eight kids, and he's 17 years older, and I was visiting him when he was living in France, and just felt this need to open up to him and say, you know, Stephen, I have always had this resentment towards you, and it makes me emotional just saying, I've always had this resentment towards you because you got 17 more years with that. That I did, and he said, "That's interesting." And I'm glad you said it because I've always had this resentment towards you because no one had a relationship with that like you had, and it blew my mind uh, that someone who I was the most jealous of for the thing that hurt because he got the thing I wanted more than anything in the world, which was more time with my dad, the person who got it in my position the most, actually felt jealous of me and it was like it's all perspective mm -hmm. it's all perspective 
and you never know what someone else is feeling. You don't know where you're lucky. And, you know, as I grew older and I learned more things about my dad, like, my brother didn't get the best version of my dad. You know, I, I, I did. I did. I didn't have to see. I didn't have to remember. It was really hard hearing my dad was an alcoholic. Hearing some of the stories that happened, uh, I refused to accept them for a long time. I'd get really mad at anyone that would share them. And uh, and then it became a blessing because I didn't have to live up to this godlike figure anymore. Understanding my dad was human too. Uh, and that he did the very best he could uh, turn out to be a massive gift for me and a big relief. Um, I probably used his alcoholism as an excuse for mine for a long time. And... I was under the impression he was able to control it. Found out years later that that wasn't the actual case. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. And I, there's, I found that everything I look back on and good or bad, there was an opportunity to grow. And, you know, like there's all those sayings like, no one carries a cross they can't bear. Or God doesn't give you anything you can't handle. And, um, I... I, I do I do believe that. I mean, I'm still here today or else that wouldn't be the case. I've been able to handle everything as, as hard as some of the situations and events, some directly of my, or, or direct result of my decisions and actions and some completely, feeling completely out of, out of control. But what they've all been is uh, opportunities to make positive changes. And so... I think that's part of the reason I don't get stuck with it being right anymore. I've been so wrong so many times about so many things. Chances are I could be wrong, and and uh, it doesn't really matter if anyone else believes what I believe or not. Um, I love learning from other people. I love hearing other people's stories. It's one of my favorite things to do. I love growing, and um, yeah. I think you nailed it on the head when you said you were still you're keeping track but i okay so you're keeping track that's great um when you said you're supposed to be here you're supposed to be here you were supposed to go through what you went through other people can learn from you and without giving away the farm you're working on something so powerful and so beautiful right now and and I feel like it's your life's purpose. So I want to definitely have you back on the podcast when you can talk about it more. Should but we tease it? Tease it. My tease life, away. My life's purpose is to... My, I really realized and I, I went to treatment four years ago. I just got out four years ago. And um, when I was there, I woke up at four o'clock in the morning and had this idea uh, for a TV show. And uh, long story short, the... The motivation behind it was to destigmatize rehab because I was like, holy shit, if everyone went to rehab every year, if everyone spent a month of rehab just working on themselves, working on their issues, working on healing the pain of the past, things that they've buried down, things they don't realize, like getting to know themselves better, this world would be a better place. And and the people I met there were so, some of the best people I've ever met in my life. So I want to go in there judging, like, I'm so much better, I shouldn't be here, whatever the case may be. And uh, so ultimately, because it's because of my, my, 
you nearly want to help people and um, you know, make the world better. And I thought, you know, if I can, if I can do something that'll help destigmatize, um, you know, at that point it was like rehab and sort of it's grown a little larger, just, you know, getting help in general. I used to think getting help was weak. And I think that's historically been how it's looked at because it, if you admit to needing help, that means you're weak. Um, that means that there's that you need, you actually need something, you know, help with something. Uh, you have problems. I know, grew up in my family. We were brought up to there, you know, from the Christmas card to what we were allowed to say to other people. Everything is perfect. You keep things on the inside, and even on the inside, we don't talk about them. There's nothing to be talked about, and um, that's not healthy for anybody. Uh, and so, and I know a lot of people are like that. And certain cultures are more like that than other. I talked to someone mm-hmm. today who is, you know, hopefully getting involved in what I'm working on now. And, um, you know, he, when he said, I asked him why he wants to work at my new business, my new company, he shared something really personal and, um, you know, how he's had to get out of a situation because, other people need help that they weren't willing to admit to, and there's just such a stigma around seeing even just a therapist. Um, you know, he had to he had to leave the country he's living in. Um, so, it's 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 necessary. It's it can, only good can come of it. Um, I think the world's definitely improved. COVID is one I think good thing that came from COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, people talk about like the mental wellness, mental health a whole lot more. You watch. The NBA or NFL, like they, they're sponsoring, you know, they have like NFL cares, NBA cares, like every, every, uh, every commercial or I mean, every, every half they, they have, they sponsor their own commercial about it and, and provide resources. And so I'll leave it there and there'll be more to share in the future. But, uh, I definitely think it's, it's my life's mission is to destigmatize, um, getting help and, and seeking help and talking about it and being open about and open and vulnerable and I think if that's that's what I'm doing on this podcast if one person hears it and decides they can be vulnerable and I've I've experienced recently I've only been it's not easy for me but I shouldn't say that I've never been willing or able before to get on or to get on something and record myself saying I'm an alcoholic and I was doing drugs and I went to rehab um Something I'd let in, very few people, um, and it's not something I really wanted to talk about. I would talk about it with the right people, but not something I'd want out there for fear that it's going to hurt chances of my ambition. And Mm -hmm. that's uh, what I found is the more open, honest, and real I am. I don't need to tell everyone all the shitty things I've done. That's not the point. Um, But... I think what I'm attracting now is are the people who are honest, actually the people I want to be around, the people I do want to work with. And it's been pretty magical to see that. So this is it's a big step for me right now, but um, it's one I'm excited to do and to keep doing more of. I love all of that. I've learned from other people. As much as me? <laughs> I've learned from other people through their own vulnerability to be more transparent and be more vulnerable myself. I mean, I know I've shared this in the past, but 
on my fitness website, on my about page, I tell my story and how I got into fitness, but all of the things that I would not normally tell just man on the street, I've just put on a public space because it's my story. It's, it's how, it's how I learned. It's how I healed. It's how I grew. And if I didn't have the backstory, then I wouldn't have what I have today. And that's for sure. Can we talk about why I fell in love with you then? Sure. All day. (laughs) (laughs) All day, every day. Um, That was a huge part of it. You know, we met and in a deep, as I call it, rage, like like a fun rage. It was a rage. It was was, was a good rage. And, um, but we ended up talking on your balcony for like 10 straight hours. It was nine hours. Okay. See, here here it comes. (laughs) Didn't we just talk about needing to be right? Um, And it's... I was blown in my in that point. I was like, "Oh my God, this is perfect!" I found this person with a spiritual side to them who likes to party. She can balance it out, and this is exactly what I've been looking for. This is what I've been manifesting. This is like this is. I was right that like God put you in my life for a reason, and and leaving here. Well, then, then you were asleep, and it was one of the the, the last morning I was here. No, third day. Yeah. <laughs> Day three. Uh, yeah, we met, uh, and then it was like three days later. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> you extended your trip. I kept, yeah, kept extending, and finally I had to go home. And uh, Jane had sobered up enough to realize that what the hell is this guy doing here still? Um, <laughs> and, I, and I flew to San Diego to get the rest of my stuff out of storage and move it to Chicago. Like that's why I was coming, and that's why I was here. I didn't do any of that. And it was, it was, I, I did some of this, I did things I need to be responsible for, but I, I did, didn't feel right to move. And part of that was our conversations and you, I, I, you saw me mm-hmm. for who I am more than I almost feel like anybody ever has. And you said things to me that I felt, but maybe not everyone else has understood. And not like, not enabling type things like you know you said to me I was thinking a lot of pride in how long I'd been single and this and that and and you and I had no thought we'd be in a relationship like I, no, I, try, we were I just joke genuinely with other, getting to know each other and I joke with other people like and I hope it's not offensive I was like it's, it's a one night stand it's like it's, it was supposed to be a one night stand it's gone on like several months and I moved across the country for it yes. so um, I. And you said to me, like, you don't, you know, you said things to me like, that I knew deep inside, but I I knew and I could feel, but I couldn't explain. And I, and I needed other people to understand it because, you know, people wanted me to, people had opinions about where I should be, what I should be doing, if I should be single. And they placed a lot of <clears throat> the reasons for some of the things I was going through on stuff like that. And, um, but in reality, like, I really wanted a partner. I didn't, it's not that I couldn't do it alone or I wouldn't do it alone, but I want a partner. I'm someone like, I like to share things and I was proud of myself and it was a necessary thing. I don't think we could have met had I not been single for the long period of time I was, almost two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't want to live in Chicago, but it was this least scary place for me and I was back there for a few months and that was really good, but um, 
I thought we were going to talk about how I you was, fell in love with I, me. I was about to stop myself. I, <laughs> I was like, here I go talking about myself again. God, I love being on a podcast. This is great. Isn't it great? Uh, so Let's bring him back. Let's bring him back. But no, so but my, my, my point is you saw me for who I really am and what I really need. And that was... And you, and you honored it by saying it out loud. It wasn't like you're going to give any of it to me. There was no, there was no nothing attached. Like it was just, like that was part of the beauty. It was raw. It was open, and it just was what it was. And then, like the, we didn't owe each other anything. Yeah, Nobody. Yeah, it was. It was so genuine. And I just remember listening to you and looking at you, and I was like. You need a partner. Like, that's what I think you're truly longing you for. Yeah, you said you want it. You said you really want a partner. Because that, that, that's what it was. It wasn't a, like, it was a, like, you knew what I truly wanted. Yeah. That's, it wasn't like you need this. It was like, you want a partner. Like, you, like, you, like I was just listening to you and everything you said was like about how much you love other people, how much you love being around people, yeah. like, things you miss and what you want. And but I would never say aloud because like I had like banished that from being from like allowing myself to want it, and having someone else recognize it made it possible for me to recognize in myself again. And so, more importantly, it was the work you talked doing Course of Miracles every morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one just for my own personal reasons, I'll try you know t- tramper down the uh, talk about myself here. Um, no, that's why you're here. We want to hear about you. But that book holds a special place in my heart and was like one of those signs and I was like oh boy who is this person like this is this this there's something here and then it's what I read uh the, about, the about on the website and, and it was you weren't awake I went in your kitchen to get water or something I saw your business card I grabbed it I went on the website I was just snooping essentially <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where am I? And uh, I was just snooping, and I, re- and I started crying. Like, I was, like, in tears in your kitchen reading the about me, and it was so raw, so vulnerable. It was so relatable. I could relate so much um, that, yeah, I just, like, that, it, it's it's the spiritual side of you It's that I absolutely fell in love with. It helps how gorgeous you are, and funny at least when you tug on your ear Um, (laughs) inside joke thank you for what you said about the website because that about page was it was the first time I ever told the truth in reality I wasn't I wasn't acting I wasn't I wasn't playing a role. I was just being me for the first time and so it was kind of like this reintroduction and reemergence of me after getting out of treatment myself. It was back in 2016. I was coming off of another, I don't even want to say bender because it was like years of one consistent bender. But this one in particular, everybody in my household had gone to sleep and I pulled out the blow and tequila, I think, and just... I had work the next day and give a fuck and I just went for it and I put myself into a drug-induced psychosis and I thought the FBI was coming to my home to uh, take away two of my close friends who didn't even live there. So I'm not sure how that worked out, but that's where I was. And I 
don't really remember anything. And the next morning, you know, the guy that I was with at the time, he didn't want to have anything to do with me anymore. Like I was about to lose my job, lose my home, lose my relationship all in the same moment. And I just had to make a choice. You know, I think, is it time to go to rehab or is it time to take a nap? And I, I made the rehab choice. So I went to rehab and I echo everything you said about everyone should get away for a month, like a 30 day stint and just heal themselves. It was for the first time I felt safe. I felt safe to just be me. I felt safe to go deep. I didn't have the threat of the ex. Well, he was an ex at the time, but um, God, it was such a toxic relationship. And that is what drove me to want to numb out. So I get it when you talk about your substance abuse and your alcoholism and, and, and just the need to escape and to not feel that's where I went. And it was so safe for me to go inward and not feel that was it but that's not a way to live. You know, how are, how am I going to, how am I going to propel my life forward when I'm hiding, you know? Well, I think one of the things too, we talked about, and you know, this brings up a lot of things for me, but like a lot of things that helped us survive at times no longer become uh, beneficial. They don't. They no longer serve us. It's no different than like, you guys. As you're gro- just physically growing as a kid, you know the pants you were wearing no longer fit you, and you know the drugs and alcohol. They 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 did help me get through some stuff. I went through some things. I had to realize some things, and my story is different from everybody else's. I'm not suggesting it. By uh, there's a lot of things I've gone through that I seem to have different experiences with. Um, in the end of the day, I'm no different than any other alcoholic, but, um, I can look back and be grateful for certain experiences that, uh, even though, even though they, they cause problems, like I said before, I was, I was forced to deal with things and, but it's, it's other stuff too. Other, other traits, traits like honesty, you know, like just depending on your situation, everyone has a story. Every week, that's one of my reasons I love meeting new people and talking to people and just asking them questions is I love hearing people's stories and um, finding the common commonalities. And some people you never you never think you have any could have anything to come with because you walk such different paths. But you know what? Like you guys may have had the exact same trauma when you were younger. You may have had the exact same weird fear that you thought no one else had. Um, and so, but letting those things go those those things that were literally your lifeline to survive uh that that got you through the traumas that got you through the whatever it might be um just those survival methods that kicked in as an instinct that that kept you safe those things kept you safe for a while but but they no longer serve you and those are the hardest to drop and, and those are also the, and probably because like they go the deepest uh, and it's so fucking scary. Like, they also stopped going. working. That's yeah. It's, it's they like, stopped it's like working. My, my pants analogy. Like, you, your pants turn into shorts if you just keep wearing the same pants. Like they don't fit you. They don't, they're not going to cover your legs anymore. They, they stop, they truly, you, they stop working but you keep trying to fit them in, fit them on and it's like, well, you look like an idiot. Like, which is like what, you know, like dishonesty was one of mine. Like I just lied a lot, and um, 
like it seemed to work for me for a long time and it seemed to get me good things and no one got hurt as, as a result of it right and um, and then it stopped and it stopped hard and I, I wasn't willing to accept it so I got more clever got more manipulative got more whatever it might be and none of that served me did not serve anyone else it only hurt me it only hurt others um, but I didn't have the tools or the resources or even some of the support at times to, to deal with that. And then the fear of like, you know, coming clean, being honest, so overwhelming, especially when you're in those self-loathing moments and hating yourself. It's just like, you know, it's, it's a vicious, vicious cycle, but, uh, letting those things go. Um, and so like that, where I was going with that was like the rehab thing I think was a, I've been in and out of therapy since my father passed away. I was like five, six years old. And I, one of the other reasons I went to therapy as a kid was I had this crazy fear of being kidnapped. Like, no reason. Like, no reason. I didn't know that about you. Really? No, you've never shared that with me. I was like, nearly like agoraphobic. Like, for like a year or two. It was after my dad died. And I only vaguely remember it. Um, and I went to see a new thing, but I remember being in Chicago, not Chicago though, like a Northern suburb, like honestly it has like one of the most expensive zip codes like in the country. Like there's nothing bad that can happen there. I was, so I was there, I lived in Sun Valley, Idaho, where literally nothing bad ever happens. Um, this is like the safest places on earth. And I was terrified. I didn't want to leave the house, didn't want to leave home. I just, just got really scared of everything, and it, it came out of nowhere. My uncle's an FBI agent, and I remember my mom telling me, like, it's okay, like, trying to, like, reason with me, like, you know, Paul, like, you'll have the whole FBI looking for you if something happened. And um, still don't know to this day, maybe that's, maybe I need to dive into that, where that came from. That's why it's coming out, but... Um, you got some problems with solving. You know, that goes back to the cards. That's it. That's the problem. So it's on notes. the table. Might not do that. Come to the table. <laughs> uh, may not be able to do it on this podcast, but I will say that, you know, it worked for me. It's going in a whole other direction too, but like learning about manifestation. So I learned at a very young age. And again, it's one of those things like there was this gift in this fear of being kidnapped because <clears throat> I want to see this amazing therapist. Uh, and learned all about muscle testing and what the body is actually telling you and like what a how and like the male and the feminine side all these things I was like seven or eight years old like I it just I loved it I'm surprised I didn't become a therapist after all that like I was so into it and he was he stayed in my life for a very 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 long time I will always uh, as well I will always love and appreciate him and um, and I finally he explained to me he said you know, Paul, like, thoughts and words and, and feelings are, are energy. And he's like, the more you put into them, the greater chance that, that like, you'll create them. He's like, if you keep putting energy into it, you'll create it. And that was, like, well before, I mean, this was years before, 20-some years before, like, The Secret came out and shit like that, where it became mm. like, commercialized. But, like, he, what he said just resonated, and, like, he scared me straight. I was like, also I was like, holy shit, so like this fear is going to like create itself? And he scared me so much that it was going to be my fault that I was going to be kidnapped? I stopped. 
Like, it, like it honestly, it cured me. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, bastardizing the story a bit, but I, it's, but I, I do remember, I can still remember that moment that he told me that when I was like six or seven years old. And, um, so yeah, and I was like, oh, wow. And it's, I've, it was the first, my first introduction to manifesting and things like that. And, and healing. Sounds like your first introduction to healing. Yeah, I'm not sure what it was was healed or not. Um, I think that's part of what I was saying too. Is like there's there's still stuff. When I was in rehab, I I did heal a lot. I don't care. Like again, I'd been in therapy most of my life, so like. But a lot of therapy isn't necessarily the healing of things. It's the dealing with things. It depends. I mean, it depends on the therapist, and there's. A lot of different people out there, a lot of different types. Um, there's someone for everyone. I don't think even that. I, I think there's someone for where you are in your journey. I think there's, you know, look at what we do every morning now. You know, between every aspect of my morning is part of like my therapy, my quote unquote therapy. It's part of my growth. It's part of my self care. Everything from guided meditations and mantras to working out, working out to reading to breath work. Um, first time I did breath, writing, breath work was magical um, for me. Like, I, I, it's it was almost scary how like it felt like my manifestation powers like exploded, and it was again it was one of those things that was almost overwhelming. Um, you introduced me to breath work, Wim Hof. Yeah, that's a, he's the specific person I, I usually do, but there's all kinds. Um, I have a friend in Costa Rica that uh, I met there and. She was like became like an expert in it and was telling me the effects it had and it was like very similar to like an ayahuasca experience or um, I like couldn't wrap my head around that like just from breathing. Um, and I think that's I think I think you said you wanted this topic to come up. So I did. I I don't even need to give the transition because you just did it for us. I I that's how, wanted that's to. How good give, I am. That's, that's how we're a good collab, you guys. It's just the way it is. I wanted to talk about healing because, you know, in some of the stories that you've told me and and where you were at in your life and coming coming out of hiding basically and the escapes that you were in, you you told me about some of your experiences in Costa Rica when we first met and you were telling me about ayahuasca and that's, you know, I love plant-based medicine. I've said that that on this podcast many times and I've shared some of my experiences, but I've never done ayahuasca and I remember asking you like give me the full-fledged story i think it's so interesting so have at it well can i ask you an honest question first yeah do you like plant-based medicines you like plant-based drugs that's not fair (laughs) no that's that's honest though there's 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 a a big difference to me you know because i just laid it all out on the table i found there's The tables have turned. The tables have turned. I have an affinity for mushrooms. I I have a deep-rooted respect for them. However, I found myself having psychedelic highs more often than I wanted to. You know, I was chasing it. And I was chasing... And the intention behind it probably and the inten- Yeah, you know, it was to more... To escape. Yeah, it became a little bit more of an escape for me than 
a spiritual experience and I've had some amazing spiritual experiences on substances, especially, I mean, the most sacred one for me was mushrooms, but then I started microdosing and then the microdose was, I was just chasing the microdose and then that turned into full-fledged psychedelic experiences on a Wednesday. So I, I had to put everything down, um, and so I guess that's where I was going with what I was telling you, but we'll get back to you again. But yeah. but that's <laughs> back to me. No, but that's where I was going with this is the, the whole ab- ever now want to talk about, herself, about website page <laughs> about just being honest and transparent and vulnerable and being real. And you never know who is going to come across your transparency. You could help people just by being honest and sharing your experience and 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 so when I found you in my kitchen crying, I I just felt like okay, we have this bond, we have this connection, we have these similarities. That sounds sympathetic, by the way. Pathetic? It wasn't I pathetic. I thought it was crying. beautiful. I, know. I thought it was beautiful. One of the things I appreciate about you. Yeah, I really did, and I was moved that you were moved, and 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 that was that. Um, but I will get back there. But when it comes to substances, you know, I went most of most of the time that I've lived in San Diego since I moved to San Diego in 2019. So it's 2023 now. So I would say three of those years I was sober and I spent most of the year not sober and I learned a lot. But I don't you and I would not have met if I was sober, period. So there's that. But I was really, really, really in a place where I needed to hear about ayahuasca because I was ready for the next phase of a spiritual experience. So I really want you to tell us about it and your experience with it. Sure. So I'll lay a little bit of the ground with a back story first. Is that, should I share that? You can give the backstory to the backstory of the backstory if you want. Um... I had well, my sister who I talked about who's super super special to me I mean she's been like one of my best friends and she's 10 years older but I looked up to her at different times different ways and we found ourselves on these even though we live completely different lives these parallel spiritual and personal growth trajectories um, she got sober it's like six or seven years ago now like she just had her, her Christmas is like her anniversary. So congrats, KK. Um, and, you know, she'd been encouraging me. She's the one who encouraged me to go to rehab. Um, but, you know, even coming out of that, she, I, I, was, I was honest about my use, at least from my, my perception of honesty at the time, at least, and my recollection of it. Um, qualify it. And, uh, it was around the time she was, you know, I was being encouraged to be incredible, to be single. I had a big problem being alone. Uh, got into a relationship, and I, I actually stayed sober pretty fair amount of that relationship. Not for good reasons. Uh, the person I was with was very controlling, um, and but at least that was some good that came out of it. But um, things really hit a rock bottom for me. 
the attempted suicide was nearly um, nearly successful. Had to be resuscitated, and it wasn't wasn't planned. It was very spur of the moment. This is another thing I'll say. Do not suggest for anyone. Um, I felt very reborn afterwards. It was weird. I felt really good when you know when I was released from the hospital three days later. I mean, I felt shame, felt confused. I felt a lot of things. Um, I had to do my final board meeting for my company in the hospital and try to make that work and was trying to get hold of my phone and uh, yeah, that part of it was a nightmare. But um, I that was. It wasn't, that wasn't even my wake-up call or any sort of rock bottom. I actually did come out of that feeling really good and actually, like, released a lot and it was a lot of blood. And um, But there's a deeper release there. Um, and when that relationship ended, it was really traumatic for me. Really, really, really traumatic. And uh, it was a mess. Point I felt pretty paralyzed and I just needed some help and my sister had gone, uh, she, she had, she had been talking, she, this is crazy story, just sort of shows our connection and our, um, you know, I used to record 60 minutes every Sunday on my DVR, I wouldn't watch it, um, most time I wouldn't watch it, but it was like, it made me feel smarter having that mixed into like all the, all the Bravo shows on the Real Housewives below decks and, uh, <laughs> So I was like, you know, if someone goes through here, they're like, oh, well, at least he watches 60 Minutes. Uh, no, that was just there for show. And one day I just sort of was like, didn't feel like watching anything else I had on there. I was like, oh, I'll watch the 60 Minutes. It was all about Sil Simon. And it was mind-blowing. And um, my sister and I were talking almost every day at that point. And, and I was like, oh, my God, I like watched this. And maybe we didn't even talk about it then, but... A couple months later, it was like the second time I watched it in months, they did a follow-up on it. And one of the things was like this guy who was this, he was drinking like a couple liters of vodka a day. Um, he had psilocybin, went like, went part, was part of this study and been sober for like a couple of years at that point or something. And I was like, oh my God, that's my answer. There's my silver bullet. Because I, I did want to stop drinking or, or I wanted to be able to control my drinking. Um, and... I wanted, I wanted the alcoholism to be cured, I guess I should say. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool, but, uh, you know, cocaine was a drug of my choice. I, I it liked, liked the control I felt, made me not be out of control on alcohol, and I uh, had never done a hallucinogen in my life because they scared me because of being so out of control. Uh, people, the stories I hear, I was like, nope, no thanks, not for me. And so I, anyway, we're talking and watch the second one. I think I brought up with her then. And she's like, oh my God, I was going to bring it up with you. I never watched 60, she said that she's basically had the same story. She never watches 60 Minutes and like both times just by chance it came on for her. So she studied psilocybin, she's a little researcher. Uh, she studied psilocybin and next thing you know, months, you know, six, nine months later, She's like, I'm doing it. I'm going to Costa Rica and I'm going to an ayahuasca retreat. I was like, what the hell is ayahuasca? I couldn't remember the name. What the hell? I was like, oh, is this like psilocybin? She's like, yeah. I was like, so I was joking around the time she went. She's like, I was like, okay, so you're, you're going to the jungle to trip balls for like a week. Is that like what, I, what I'm hearing? And you know, we'd laugh about it. But that's that was my 
impression of it. And I was just like, whatever. But I was curious, and um, she'd already been sober for a while, and um, it never dawned on me that, like, that could consider being, like, messing with her sobriety just because of, like, where she was. I felt like I trusted her judgment so imperatively. Uh, I still do. And I was like, okay. Like, that, that, that part of the conversation, I don't believe, ever came up. Um, and I mean, it was really looked at as, like, medicine, right? And, but, like, spiritual medicine. And uh, this change I saw in her blew me away. And I was like, I want what she has. And I want that. It was, it was the next phase of, of the spirituality. And she went deep. And anyway, I cut all this trauma happen. And um, she ended up being like, look, drive out. She lived in Colorado. I was like, drive out here. So I did. And um, I got there. And she's like, you're going to Costa Rica in four days. <laughs> and I, I started crying. Because I was like, I just, I felt... Felt so scared. I, I'd been really proud of how I'd been living my life and the relationship. I'd like really worked to always come from a place of love, not fear. I thought I could like love someone better and fix their issues, but like it was almost like the better I was, the more scared and insecure they became. It was just it was a bad situation and uh, like I said, very traumatic. And uh, I, but I, I didn't really have a choice. And she's like, well, you can't really stay here much longer than these days, whatever shit going on. And I was like, well, why don't I just drive two days out here? You know, I feel bad for myself. I was like, whatever, I'm sort of enough for anything person. And I was like, all right, fuck up and do it. So uh, I went and didn't read anything about it. I went with a completely open mind and they talked about, you know, they, it was an amazing place. It was in the middle of the jungle in Costa Rica and uh, they... The place is magical, and uh, the the main lady, who is one of the two founders of it, is just an angel. Uh, one of this like small lady, variously, like, you know, but like God, powerful. I mean, just unbelievably powerful. And uh, I remember my sister laughing like, the night before I was leaving. She was like bent over in her kitchen laughing. I was like what is so funny because like, no one had said anything she just went from like doing the dishes to bent over and laughter she's like I'm just picturing you like a few days from now sitting around a fire like chanting singing these songs like wearing all white and she's like it's so not you and she's like it's not fancy and I had a you know reputation for only liking fancy things and uh, I was like oh cool with that stuff and this was this was a very like humble jungle retreat and like all in for like 12 days like 1200 bucks and um for food ceremonies shelter you know i had my i did insist on having my own cabin uh, and, i'm not surprised by that yeah and so uh the it, talk about feeling safe like a re you're mentioning feeling safe at rehab these ceremonies I've never felt safer in my life before or after than I did there. They just, they did a really amazing job, and I I don't tell. I think I've I've suggested people who have brought it up with me wanted to know more. There's been a couple of people where I've 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 encouraged them to go. It's not some it's something you're called to do or you're not. Um, but sometimes that calling is in the form of 
you stumbling upon this podcast and hearing the stories, whatever that is. Um, it, but it's, it's your choice, and um, the only thing I would suggest is going open. I try not to share too much about it because I think going with preconceived notions, if I, if I had done that, I don't think it would have had the effect I had because the biggest thing they teach you, or they, they don't not teach you, but they tell you to do is surrender. That was a very scary word for me. Someone who likes control and who's been scared of things being out of his control since his father passed away. Um, you know, things can be taken from you and your life can be altered. And, you know, it's surrendering is the opposite. You know, that even as a man, it's like, no, you never surrender. And as American, like we don't do like It's just not taught to do that. But in reality, it's like one of the most powerful and strongest things you can do. Uh, because it shows your strength of faith. And uh, to their credit, they've made me feel strong enough there to surrender. And so, um, so I, during the first ceremony, I came out of it. And the next day, I was like, why do people need to do this more than once? I solved all of the world's most existential questions. I could, you know, what do you, what do you want to know? You want to know like, how the world began? What's going to happen like when the world ends? I, I figured it all out. And it wasn't like trips. I was lucid the whole time. Um... It was nothing like I could explain or have ever experienced before or anything other than these ceremonies. And their response was, you go deeper. So that's where that comes from. And so there was, a, and I realized I had to surrender to the idea of going deeper. That first, that first round was so, I actually never connected this until we're talking right now. That first round was so, it, it, it I didn't touch on anything, you know, too deep. And they say you go deeper every time. And um, there are people that are dealing with like, who are like, oh, I'm here. To, I've been do, done this all these times. I'm here to to heal ancestral traumas. And I was like, Jesus, I have enough shit in my own life. I can't think about like in my ancestors, but it, I can now. And um, so the things I tell people about it are the most common things were that people expressed, and I'm one of them. Um, the most common thing I heard people express after the ceremonies, maybe not the first one for me, it was the third one, um, that they felt self-love for the first time in their life. A true self-love. And like, I can't think of a better thing to feel, a better gift, better experience. They say in the A rooms, like, we'll love you till you can love yourself. People, I used to balk at stuff like that because I, I was very confident whether it was a false confidence, whether it was a mask. Um, I confuse self-love with a sense of accomplishment, with, with pride, with... Um, I felt self-love... I, I confuse self-love with racking things up that other people said I did well at um, a lot of times. And, but and even times, like, I, I did feel like a deep sense of pride. Like, And there were a lot of simple times, like, Doing, sometimes I was punished and I had to do manual labor and things like that. Like I felt like, or just you know, that I got through something hard. That feeling of proud, like it's it's really difficult to explain the difference of like truly. Feeling. It's sort of like how you feel about a dog, like that love you have for a dog, that unconditional love. Um, you know, like you understand it makes mistakes, whatever. Like just like that deep love with like no expectations. Um, that's what it was. And I'd never felt it before, and that's the most common thing 
uh, I've heard people say. And the other thing that's common that I, I don't mind sharing is felt like 25 years of therapy in one night. Um, so all those therapists I saw, uh, God bless them. Could have done a lot more, but it, also I needed to do those things before I could do this. That That's just me. I can't speak for anybody else. Everyone has their own path, their own journey. Um, it took a lot of other me being exposed to other things, learning about other things in order to other healing modalities for me to be open to the next one. Um, and I think that's part of the reason I don't, you know, I can tie it back a little bit, but part of the reason I don't focus as much on being right, because it's not that I've been wrong, it's I've been so focused on what I think, I don't, I can't hear what I need to, I can't hear something else, so um, it's taken me a lot longer to get to a place I always wanted to be at. I said, that, I said it last year. I'm sure I'll say it again. I'm sure I'll look back this year and be like, God, I didn't know shit. And that's like that's the biggest lesson. So I just, I, I, I you know, God gave you two ears, one mouth. Uh, use them accordingly because I've been saying way too much lately. I've heard that a lot. I, what I'm picking up from this more than anything is your the community aspect, because when you talk about Costa Rica, when you talk about your experience with ayahuasca, when you talk about the people that affected you, it's all about self-love and community. And I think that is why we are thriving right now, because we're in a 12-step program that's all about community, and it's all about what you give, you will receive. And I'd say those two, I think those are... There's two parts of it in the in the spiritual aspect of it. Well, absolutely. I think yeah. that's a given. I mean, that the deepest connection I've ever felt to my higher power, which I generally refer to as source, but it wasn't until recently I had I, I was able to let go of my issues around the word God. Um, I love talking about that. You want me to talk about it? Yeah. My issues with the word God? Yeah, I think it's such a huge topic. I mean, I dealt with it my entire life. I mean, I talk about God on this podcast all the time, and I have no problem with it. Whereas in the past, I mean, it, you, I wouldn't utter the words. Well, I, I found myself not even being able to listen to some of the things you would read me. Mm-hmm. Because it sounded like the Catholic Bible to me. God, he, him, powerful, like this, that, and... Um, it's amazing that it's amazing that people are able to find their spirituality in that, and that's great, right? I wasn't able to find the spiritual connection within any organized religion, and I don't think any of them are bad. I think they all were started out to do something very, very positive. Mm-hmm, I um, agree. I think plant-based medicine could go the same route if it's not checked, but um, you know. As humans, I can speak for myself, I am not capable, I am not smart enough to understand what this, what this higher power is. Um, I can accept that. I don't need to know everything. I never will. Like, it's a fool's errand to try to do that um, with this brain. So, uh, I accepted that a long time ago, and as I studied the religions and saw the commonalities in all of them... Um, it just all became very clear. It's like all, all these people, it's all these religions that are so different and warring and hate each other and this and that. Yeah, like they're so common. The, the basic tenets to like 
to, to be of service, to love thy neighbor, to... They're, they're, they're all based in love. I was right? just going to say that. It's in, all love-based. They're all based in love, but then when humans get a hold of it and take control, etc., they they destroy it and use it for for things that, that are outside of that. And, um, and then the God, and the reason God was an issue is because, especially the Catholic Church, there was so much guilt, shame, punishment, and judgment. And that never felt like love to me. That felt the very opposite of love. Right. Um, doing things based on fear did not feel anything like love. And so, <clears throat> um, doing something like helping a sibling out of mine because I'd be punished if I didn't felt very, very different than helping them out out of the kindness of my heart. You know, like you think about the people who you love the most or who you inspire the most, like they're the ones who give genuinely, not that give because like they have to or because they're scared of something. There might be a fear of that or whatever, but that's, and so the word God was always associated with the the attempt of humans to uh, um, humans to humanize something that they can't understand and something that's not human. Humans are a part of this larger thing, as is Pachamama, as our animal. Like it's life. It's it's all part of it. Humans just peace, but like we try to put ourselves at the center of it. We try to understand it that way, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Like I have all the compassion and understanding of why that is. It just didn't work for me, and I, so I've been able to let that go. And refer to God on this podcast. I sometimes write about God, um, but the thing that came up because I was saying like that, that connection to what I I started calling it Source um, in Costa Rica. That's what really resonated with me. And um, this, that was the, the deepest connection I have ever felt. Um, and I don't think I, 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 I could say almost certainty I wouldn't be sober today had I not gone through that experience um, then. I want you to listen to something that I read this morning because it just made me think of that, uh, what you just said. I'll just paraphrase it. God's guidance doesn't come as a blueprint that my rational mind can follow, but rather as spiritual illumination, creating psychological breakthroughs that my mortal self could never achieve. As I rise to my higher self, I begin to reach others at higher levels as well. Whatever is needed, love will provide. I feel like that's just what you just said. Sounds right. That's what you just said. Well, I've said a lot that one of the things I've realized is, you know, I wrote one of my other majorly spiritual experiences was I woke up that one morning and I felt like I, I had to write. And I've always liked writing, but I hadn't written in like a decade. He's a great writer. I hadn't like written, written. Um, my brother is an excellent writer. He's, he's really good. I can't hold a candle to him and that's okay. Um, he, I was inspired by him to write and I learned just by reading his stuff. But, um, he what was I saying so but thank you I appreciate that yeah of course um so I woke up this one morning and I channeled this thing and long story short I wrote for like seven hours and wrote all this stuff and I and I, I truly felt like I was channeling I didn't think that stuff was real 
you, you don't think it's real until you experience it. And, mm. um, and it, it was really, everything comes down to love and fear. It's not love and evil, it's love and fear. Evil is like a, this, this, sub, this, this component of fear, and actually like a tool fear uses. Um, and it was amazing. And uh, I think that really changed my life. And or that was part it's part of what's changed my life. And again, these are all like stops on the journey, um, which I'm excited to be on. And I think we'll go the rest. I know we'll go the rest of my life. There's never an end to it, uh, as much as sometimes we want there to be. It's and, ever evolving. You can't outgrow it. Right. I mean, how many times have you and I talked about how, like, ugh, more healing, and then we <laughs> uncover something else. Like, I thought that was done. It's like, eh, gotta go deeper sometimes, and. And they do go. A lot of things do go away. You know, it's, but, but anyway, I, um, I, I've realized as I look back at my life how, um, I knew intuitively, I knew deep down inside that, like, something wasn't right or I needed to make a change or whatever, and God would... Give me these gentle, like these, that intuition, that knowing, right? That feeling, that gut feeling, that something's off, something feels a little strange. I need to make a change. I need to do X, Y, or Z. And it was fear. Whether it was leaving a relationship, whether it was not telling a lot, whatever it might be. Like, God did his very, you know, Source did his best to, like, lead me in the right direction, but... I chose fear because I was scared. I didn't know what the outcome was. And I was trying to control the outcome, mm-hmm. or I was, or, or I was trying to avoid. Yeah, I was just trying to avoid not knowing what an outcome was, and it's it, it's sort of like that story. Um, the you know, there's like that big flood, and like the guys on top of his house, and like a rowboat goes by, and he's like. Do guys in the rowboat? He's like, "Hey, man! Like, get in the rowboat! Like, the water's rising!" And he's like, "It's okay. God will save me. I'm God. Like, I'm a God-loving, you know, fearing human, and I pray all the time. I'm praying that God will save me." Goes away. Like, something else comes by. Anyway, happens like two or three times. Anyway, guy dies. He goes up to heaven. He sees God. He's like, "The heck!" Like, I prayed. Like, I'm. You know, he lists all the things I did. Like. Why didn't you save me? God's like, I sent you a rowboat. I sent you a rope. I say, he's like, I did all these things, and it's like, it's this, this idea that, you know, we have an idea of what it's supposed to look like, and that's the that that, that ego thing getting involved. It's also just like it's the fear. Like that's not, it's, that's not true faith in a way. You know what I mean? Like the truth faith is like knowing that you don't know what it's going to look like, but trusting it and, and, and then listening and listening to the things that even sound scary. The things that I always said, and I always said, like, so I do the thing that scares you the most because it's usually the right thing. And like, it's scary right now. And that's good. Like that means it's a good time to do it because ultimately you might be forced to do it. And like when you're forced to do it, it's going to be a little bit more painful. Like us getting sober mm-hmm. took a painful experience for us to get there. It absolutely did. And it's not necessary. And, I choose, like, everything's, we all, we have choice, we have free will, and I choose to live a peaceful life going forward, and to, to quiet my mind, to set my, you know, to, 
you know, recognize when it's my ego, recognize what my motives are, and listen and trust source, trust my higher power, whatever you want to call it, so that I don't have to face the consequences of not listening and not taking action and letting fear drive me. Well, I think that's what a miracle is. It's the change of perception from fear to love. It's that simple. And so when we allow love to drive, the fear is gone. You can't have light and dark at the same time. I think there's a balance to everything. I think that's it's that's interesting because like I, I agree with most of what you said, but I think you, I think we all have a light and a dark side. Like, we, I think whatever good you're capable of doing, I think Mother Teresa, you know, could have also go could have been a serial killer, like one of the worst serial killers ever. Like she had that capability in her, but she followed that certain path. Like I've just found that I found that. I mean, that's probably controversial. I don't know. But like, I'm pretty sure you're the only person who's ever said that. <laughs> it's, it's the most, like, it's, it's I try, you know, I like analogies a lot. And, and I love them, too. And, but it's, my, my point is, whatever good someone's capable of, if they're, if the people you think they're like, the most, who've done the most good, at least in my mind, how I think about it, they're capable of the most bad because the... I've just, I've seen it. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. I've, I've even seen a lot of people who do a lot of good. And you may not see their bad side. Um, and things come out and it's like, whoa. Wrapping my head around, like, there's a, a childhood sort of hero and well in person who's a, a family friend as well. And I only ever experienced him as a fucking incredible man who was loving and who did really good things for some of my siblings and uh, who's been accused and is pretty clear has done some really, really terrible things and it was just a total mindfuck because I was like, how is it possible that this person's capable of this? And it's like, how could he be this amazing in this, for lack of a better term, like evil? How do those two things exist? And I, it's not a justification, but I, I have, can, can, I can actually see how some of the bad stuff came about. I think it was stuff that wasn't healed from his past. Like he was capable of being both, and like it's, it's, it can scare people that there can be two people inside, but some of the other people I'm closest to um, have issues admitting to their dark side, and I think that the more you try to, for me, the more I've tried to pretend it doesn't, it's not there, mm-hmm. um, the more it finds its way out. It's like the, the greatest, another, you know, another saying, like the greatest trick the devil ever played was making you believe he doesn't exist. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the things I saw over and over again didn't make any sense to me, but I, I haven't, it's not left me and it, or I haven't been able to forget it and it's it's led me well was I saw the yin yang or yin yang <laughs> uh, during my <laughs> first ayahuasca experience I drew, you know when I got after the ceremony when I got back to my cabin I drew it like, over and over and over and over again and I just kept thinking about it and the number four kept coming to me it was four it was balance 
and like I was just and like my life's been one extreme or the other, and it, I was just like smacked over the head with balance. Point like the, by the third ceremony, I was like enough. I get it. And I got a little bit more. It's like no, you don't get it. Like this is this is what you need. You need balance. And it's one of those things where it's like you're getting this in the most loving possible way. You don't want any more uh, lessons about this to learn the hard way. And now you're with a Libra, who's all about balancing the scales. Right. So, <laughs> God does for I'm you. Watch it. So, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> um, so, anyway, I think I've just I've seen people that I know very very well who still struggle with acknowledging the dark side, seeing it, and accepting it, um, accepting that it's there, and realizing it's a piece of them, and it's not it's it's not bad. It's just there's I don't think dark is bad. Um, I just think it's, I think, you know what it is? I think you can, you can shine light on the dark, um, and the dark doesn't become scary. That's what I was referring to about bringing the light into darkness. That's what, yeah. That's what I meant. But I love what you said too. I love what you said. I loved all of what you've shared today. And I think that I'm just so proud of you because I, I think this is a public platform and you've just gone so deep and you've been really raw and you're helping people. Well, that's what you said you do on this podcast. So I'm here, yeah. I'm here to support you and love you and I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here and it's a big step for me and I feel like this is part of my healing journey mm-hmm. as well. So there's the selfish aspect of it. Do we ever figure out the problem? Maybe that's the next podcast. Yeah, we'll save that for the next podcast. This is, this is what Jane and I do, by the way. We will start on something, and then three hours later, we'll be like, how did this conversation start? And it's it's my favorite thing. We do our, our mornings and our middle-of-the-night conversations and kitchen dance parties and and you eating cookies in the middle of the night. Mostly peanut butter. <laughs> on cookies. Uh, don't throw me under the bus. There's, peanut a, butter there's like cookie. one cookie left in our cupboard, and I have not touched it. <laughs> but when she does, there'll be peanut butter and ice cream on top of it. So, um, Yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. I love it. It's a, that, that's your, that, if that's your dark side, let it be. <laughs> I'm shining light on your dark side, babe. Right. And I'm about to do the Metagenics cleanse again. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we're about to start a new cleanse. What is it called again? I don't know. I can't even pronounce the word, but I found it it's in, a, the Ch- in the Chopra app. The Chopra app, which he just turned me on to. I just downloaded it. I know nothing about it. I have to research. Well, you know Deepak Chopra is. Well, yeah, of course, but I'm new to the app. But I'm excited about this cleanse. That's what we can talk about. Oh, I know what we need to tell everybody. On the last solo that I did, when I talked about what we were going to do for Christmas, uh, I said that we were going to the movie Babylon and that I would give the our thoughts on it. But I didn't know you were going to be a guest on the podcast, so we can do it together. So let's tell everybody what we thought of Babylon. I love Babylon. Definitely the first rage scene um oh yeah that was wicked first wild movie definitely triggered me reminded me of my whole life it wasn't quite that debaucherous but pretty close (laughs) um and triggered me a little bit but it was awesome i thought it was unbelievable done i can't don't think anyone other than brad pitt could have played that part oh he was phenomenal Um, he reminded me of leonardo dicaprio when he was in the great gatsby and that was the last real movie that i've really loved since and since 
I think it's almost time to end the show because I can't get words out. No, I thought Babylon was really good and I recommend everybody see it, but I didn't know that it was over three hours long. How many times did we pee? I peed a lot of times. We, uh, <laughs> we treated ourselves as the holidays, treated ourselves that mega, mega soda. Oh my and, God. Uh, I'm still a little grumpy about the half caramel corn, half butter popcorn. That really ruins, ruined things for me. Yeah, but, he wanted butter popcorn, but caramel yeah. was available and I wanted both. And so um, a good boyfriend. I obviously agree. He compromised on that one for me. Always. Yeah. And there's that. But Babylon was amazing. I would definitely see it. It was, I will say, even though it was long, it did not feel long at all. No, it didn't. It kept me engaged the entire time. And I just thought the set was cool. It was so cool to go back in time and realize what it was really like to direct and shoot a movie. Right. It was wild. It was a really, it was a really, really cool movie. I, I, at one point I was like, wow, I can tell this is long, but it doesn't feel long, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes so, all the sense. Well, hopefully we wrapped it up on a lighter note. I know, right? There was one more thing, but I've already lost it. So That's I think we're just going to sign off. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, yeah, thank you for, if you, you're any chance anybody's still listening to my crazy story. And love all you guys at Sport Jam. Thank you. One more thing. If you want to follow Paul on Instagram, what's your handle? I don't have one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you can't find Paul. You just got to listen to this podcast. He'll be on again. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Ageless. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. Tune in next week for a new episode.